the podcast. I'm Shira Schoenberg. In Massachusetts, a Black woman is twice as likely to die from a pregnancy-related cause as a white woman. Black women are 70% more likely than white women to have severe health consequences related to pregnancy and childbirth. A legislatively formed Special Commission on Racial Inequities in Maternal Health recently published a 74-page report exploring why these disparities exist and what can be done about them. Here with me today to talk about the report are two commission members, State Representative Liz Miranda and Necca Hall, the founder of Quietly United and Lost Together Corporation. Representative Miranda, a Roxbury Democrat in her second term in the House and a former nonprofit leader and community organizer, helped advance the legislation that created the commission and was appointed by the Black and Latino Legislative Caucus. She's also running for state Senate. Paul is the mother of four, including a daughter who is stillborn, who founded the Quilt Campaign to raise awareness of infancy loss. She's become an advocate focused on infant and maternal mortality, primarily in the African-American community. Thank you both so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to join me today. Thank you. Thank you. So Neka, before we get into the meat of the report, you had a really fascinating and moving personal story with your four very different pregnancies that drove you to become an advocate for birthing moms. So I think you could tell us just a little bit about your journey and what you're trying to accomplish through this work. Well, um, I've found over the course of 22 years, my oldest will be 22 in August and I can't believe it. Um, children can be born healthy and get sick later on in life. Um, they can be born very ill and be made well, which happened with my second birth. My daughter, Simone, um, was born with a congenital heart defect that required open heart surgery when she was two weeks old. Fast forward, she's now 100% healthy at her 13-year checkup. She's 16 now. At her 13-year checkup, we found out that everything worked, and she is truly a miracle. Um, she's a junior at Boston Latin Academy, uh, four point something GPA, and she is, we are fast tracking to college, top choice Yale, um, which I was told never would happen because of her condition and not to expect her to even identify me as mommy. So when I became pregnant with my third child, Anaya Marie, um, I had all of my ducks in a row. My son had minimal change nephrotic syndrome, kidney disease. So during that pregnancy, I went to see his nephrologist and everything was fine. She, she did a scan, looked at Anaya's kidneys and, 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 and whatever fluids, however they do that thing. Um, and she was fine because of Simone's cardiac history. Um, I went to see her pediatric cardiologist and she did the same. She looked at the four chambers of the heart. She looked at her heart and, and everything was fine. So when I went for my 39 week checkup at, um, on August 26, 2010, um, take, with my then 10 and five year old in tow um, and found out there was no heartbeat, I was, I was stunned. I had done everything right um, as I had with the other pregnancies. Um, so I, I had the best care at the best hospital um, at that time, it was the number one hospital in the country. Um, and 
Sadly, my daughter succumbed. I later, I found out two years later, I believe, through my own perseverance and persistence that I actually had preeclampsia that was missed because I did not present in a normal manner. However, I started spilling protein, proteinuria. Um, uh, it's, it's a symptom of preeclampsia, but ACOG did not acknowledge it as a symptom until 2013. So if you did not have extremely high blood pressure, and, but you had proteinuria, it was marked an unclean catch. So I found out that from the second trimester where I was spilling trace amounts of protein to the day that I went in for my 39 week checkup, expecting to hear you could go at any time. I'll see you back here. We'll have baby in arms, you know, next week sometime, if not sooner, um, to having to plan a, a funeral and finding out that I later on seeing my labs that I was three plus protein with proteinuria, which it, knowing my son has kidney disease, um, knowing that what that meant um, with my, and my daughter was healthy, except for the fact that she um, succumbed because my placenta stopped working. With my fourth pregnancy, I had the best care in the world. I, I had Dr. Laura Riley um, and she was, she was phenomenal. She did not miss a beat. If I felt uncom uncomfortable, if I was, if, if I sensed anything, I was right there getting a scan and later on in the pregnancy, um, a, a biophysical profile. I, I knew about kick counting at that time, not just is the baby moving, and my overall health was observed, which absolved the mental health portion, took care of my fit, mental health, physical health, and spiritual health was maintained during that pregnancy. I felt heard. Um, and then that's what brought me onto this journey, realizing you can have it your way if you, if you find the right providers. And Neko, one thing that um, you've, mentioned in the report, and it sounds like may have played a role in your story, is that racism can play a role in the care that Black women get through the pregnancy and birthing process. Are you able to tell us a little bit more about what role racism plays? You know, how do parents of color experience racism and how does it affect birth outcomes? Oh, wow. For me, I started noticing there was something wrong very early on without even knowing that I was spilling protein because they never told me. Um, and I started going in and at that time, my then husband and I were separated. Um, my, from day one, I, I sensed tension when my husband was present at these appointments between my Caucasian doctor and my black husband. And I couldn't put a finger on it, but once we separated, every time I went to see her, the baby started hiccuping, which is, is the sign of a healthy baby, but it's also the sign of a baby in fetal distress. Her basic hiccups went from a hiccuping every once in a while to having um, seizures in utero towards the end of the pregnancy. 
and I was not heard. I was accused since I've had a history of major depression. I was diagnosed with major depression, depressive disorder when I was nine, that this was because, oh, you're feeling this way because you're, um, you're having an episode. You're feeling this way because um, you're separated from your husband. No, my child was telling me something was wrong. I was reiterating it and I was unheard. Working with families over the past 10 years, I've seen the same. A mom or a family or a birthing person can go in working with, and I work primarily with families of color, whether they're black, you know, anyone. Um, I work with all, but I have specifically worked with um, black family, you know, black families over the past 10 years. And one birth comes to mind, exactly. Married couple last year. And that birth made me see that I could no longer be a birth doula. Um, I had to retire because of the stress and strain. Mom goes in the night before. She's at 41 weeks. Uh, married couple, lovely couple, professional couple. Um, mom you know, goes in and because the baby's not moving properly and they monitor and they induce. And I get a phone call from the husband at 4 a.m. saying, okay, we're in labor. Let's, let's do this via Zoom. Everything will probably go quickly. And she fails to progress. This is at 4.30 in the morning. I've never said to a client C-section, but knowing the, fam the his family medical history, that's the first thing that flew out of my, my mouth at 4.30 in the morning, C-section. Of course, the provider said, no, we're going to do this. We have this. And at about 11 p.m., now, mind you, she started laboring at 4.30 in the morning. At 11 p.m., mom stops, the baby starts um, decel. The baby's heartbeat starts acting funny. Um, mom starts getting a fever. And they're saying, oh, well, we're coming in to check progress. This is what mom's telling me. They, they're, the nurse was there speaking. They're gonna, someone's gonna come in to check progress. I said, put your hands over your, excuse me, your vagina and say C-section. I have never, I saw mom getting lethargic. I saw her asking questions. I heard husband um, advocating getting ready to throw himself across his wife, which would have been seen as an act of whatever hostility because he's a black man. Um, and, you know, everything happened the way that it was supposed to. She said C-section, which completely changed the mood of the room. Um, and they went in, got the baby. The baby had, um, had pooped, which is a sign that the baby was in distress in utero and they suctioned it out, but she's fine. Over the course of my career, I've seen that go south where the baby was not fine. And, and too many times when you're working with families of color, you see bits and pieces that never would have been attempted had they not been a person of color. Regardless of, I've heard over the course of the past years, doctors in Massachusetts, black doctors who give birth, who know that they are, have postpartum preeclampsia, drive themselves to one ER, only have to have to get into a car and drive themselves into the Boston area where one of their colleagues is waiting for them to treat them because wow. they think that they're going to die. Wow. 
And Representative Miranda, turning to you, this report makes the case that there's many reasons for these inequities in maternal health. There's factors related to the health system, to families, to communities. What to you are the most significant reasons why Black women face such disparities in maternal health? Well, first, thank you for inviting me. And, you know, I need to thank three groups of really phenomenal women. One, uh, the group of women, which Commissioner Hall, Tamoria Saba, uh, Boston Public Health Commission and Repro Equity Now had commissioned already a coalition of providers, people with lived experience, to introduce this bill. Um, two was the March of Dimes that in my first week on the job presented some outcomes that made me realize that there was a huge problem in Massachusetts and six out of the 10 zip codes were in the inner city of Boston that had the poorest outcomes, not only for maternal morbidity and mortality, but infant morbidity and mortality. And lastly, um, when I worked with these two groups, the Representative Kay Khan and Senator Becca Rausch had already filed this bill and I was a new legislator. And they said, you know, this is really not our place. This is really happening with black women. And uh, we think that you can help lead this. And so I think that the Commonwealth needs to know that because when we center, let black women lead and listen to women, it's really important. Now the Maternal Inequities Commission, although voted on unanimously um, uh, in the House and Senate and 98% black women or black providers uh, was not an easy cakewalk. This year experience has taught me a lot as a black woman, as a legislator, in the still in government spaces and in the medical healthcare field, there is a lot of structural and systemic racism, uh, ageism, um, and gender issues between black and white women. And I think we need to highlight that because if this is gonna be done again, which it needs to be, this was the only commission in the Commonwealth's history that to date was centered all around black uh, black people, particularly black women. And so I hope that we learn from that. The other things that make it hard to give birth uh, as a black birthing person is the weathering of black people. Uh, we are stressed out. Uh, the highest income inequality, uh, we're living in communities that are uh, historically segregated in housing. Uh, there was a racial awakening, COVID-19, housing and economic crisis that we all went through but every community experienced it differently and our communities experienced it the worst. Uh, poor social determinants of our health. Folks that live in the Fifth Suffolk sadly are dying 30 to 33 years ahead of folks who live in the Back Bay. I take the number one bus. I took the number one bus through college. That is only 10 stops away. How are we dying in, in our 50s and early 60s in comparison to folks who are passing away after living long lives well into their 80s. The other piece is environmental justice and injustice. I grew up in the Dudley Triangle. I still live in the Dudley Triangle. This is a community that has brownfields, poor air quality, uh, still uh, hundreds of parcels of vacant land. Our communities are more violent, less resourced. Um, and blighted. And that shouldn't be happening in 2022 Boston, never mind 2022 Massachusetts, a very wealthy state. And so in addition to the racism that is in all of our lives, um, it's important to note that there's other social factors that are impacting uh, folks during, during uh, before and after uh, their birthing experiences.
Talking about social factors, one thing that struck me in the report is that one tool that helps some women advocate for their needs during childbirth is the use of a doula, a trained person that can support a woman in non-medical ways. But hiring a doula can cost between $800 and $2,000 and isn't generally covered by insurance. So Representative Miranda, is a lot of the inequity we're seeing around poverty? And are there ways to ensure that all women, regardless of income, have equal access to these types of extra support? I think it has a lot to do with poverty, but I wanna just say one fact that was really alarming to me. I'm not a mother yet. And so the stories of like Commissioner Hall, Tamoria, and everyone else that was on the commission that had gone through lived experience really helped me understand uh, that I had seen uh, morbidity and mortality throughout my life. I even watched my little sister, Christina, give birth to a 21 week uh, baby Mila in front of me and did not survive. And one of the reasons is because she was told that she was anxious, uh, that she needed to take Tylenol and go to sleep. While my sister said, no, I'm feeling pain. Then we have women like Serena Williams. Uh, Serena Williams is a billionaire, a global phenom in the world of tennis, and she almost died giving birth. So you have my sister, Christina, a Cape Verdean woman, uh, we are not a, a wealthy family. We grew up uh, low to uh, middle class. But at the same time, these factors are not changing. Birthing is the one space that it doesn't matter how much education you have, where you live, what's your social economic status. Black women are still dying two to three times the rate of white women across the country and even here in Massachusetts. So it has something to do with poverty because the access to affordable uh, and accessible care, we have a lot of maternity deserts in the Commonwealth. Right now, uh, a doula you mentioned is expensive. Why? 70% of the people in my district are on MassHealth, but MassHealth currently does not pay for doula care. So my friend Maria, who was able to get a doula in her last month of pregnancy, she makes well over $90,000 a year. She was able to afford and was educated on how a doula can help you. But many of the women, uh, uh, my district is over 50% foreign born, don't even speak English as a first language, is, are getting their care in community health centers. The first time they're actually meeting their OBGYN or doctor is when they're giving birth. So there's a lack of cultural competency. There's a lack of a prenatal workforce that is diverse and has the language um, capacity to help our diverse communities in Roxbury, Dorchester, Mattapan, Hyde Park. But lastly, I wanna say that this is an important factor to pay attention to because mortality and morbidity rates are actually on the rise. In the last 50 years, they've remained the same. So it's another area in public health and in healthcare that we should be looking at because it hasn't improved. It doesn't matter who you are, if you're wealthy or not. And lastly, if this only can be explained by racism, then we can't only change when people are giving birth, but the entire reproductive spectrum. And that's what I'm hoping that the commission's report, if you notice, ties in that we can't just solve this issue with one commission, that we need a permanent task force at the Commonwealth to bring together legislators and leaders in this space. 
And I'll turn back to you, Neka. One other thing I noticed about the report was it included a lot of discussions about care options that are outside what we typically think about as the hospital childbirth experience. You know, those talk about the use of midwives, of home births, group prenatal care, as well as a lot of the things that come after childbirth, the postpartum care, the need for lactation consultants or home visits. What kind of disparities did you see in access to these other services, and why why are these disparities there? Well, um, one thing that people don't understand is they just don't talk about these services. For example, pretty much every hospital in the Commonwealth has a volunteer doula program. Unless you are put in front of um, the right person and you're in melanated skin, you won't know that you all you have to do is ask for a doula. I've been a doula for 10 years. I've never charged for my services. Not once. I teach. I, I come to places like this. This is where I get my money so that I can work in my community for free. Um, all you have to do is ask. A home birth costs um, $5,000. That's it. 5,000, I mean, and I know I'm saying that's it, like that's that's it, wow, you know. <laughs> to you, to me, that sounds like nothing. And I can think of like 50 ways to fundraise that money. But when you're, you find out that you're pregnant and you don't know that that's an option, that you can call someone like fellow commissioner Stephanie Johnson to come in and, and a black woman, the only black right now, but there are others in training, home birth midwife in the Commonwealth. You can call her in and she will, she'll take you on as a client and she'll charge you a portion up front and then you can pay throughout the, you know, during, but people don't know that. You have to know, we have to have these conversations beyond this platform. We have to go into churches where we have to meet people where they are. There's a um, home visiting program. Now I've given birth in the Commonwealth four times, okay? The first time I heard about that home visiting program that's available for it through the Mass Department of Health for anyone is when I was working as a contractor for the Mass Massachusetts Department of Public Health. Can you believe that? And I've given birth four times. What that would do if everyone automatically said it at every appointment, you know that, and if you haven't given birth, I'm sorry, but there's a, a um, folder that they give you in, at, the, at the very first well baby visit that has all of these resources, but none of the resources that we need to sustain our people. If that was in there, I mean, yes, people don't want people in their homes. However, if, they, if you know that you can get a doula if you contact this home, home visiting program, not only a birth doula, but a postpartum doula and potentially a newborn care specialist. If you knew that all of this existed, if you knew that there was a, an app called Be Her Village that could connect you with a low cost, if low to no cost or no to low cost, whichever way it goes, doula, would you, would you access that if you wanted a doula? If, it was, if, if, you, if somebody explained to you what, there was, what a doula was, you know, sure. that, that's something that we need to do. We have to go into our communities and say, all of this is yours. You just have to reach out. We have to go into the community. I tried to, um, this is funny. I tried to contact 
the Mattapan um, Community Health Center to put some things in place for our Mattapan, Dorchester, Roxbury families that go to that health center. And I was told, oh, we already do that, which I know they don't, you know, because some of their sure. clients have come my way. Sure. And I know that you mentioned that you go to places like this. I'm just going to clarify for our listeners. You told us before we started recording that you are at a uh, conference in Arizona right now. Yes. Which sounds, sounds <laughs> yes. terrific. Yes, um, yes sorry. And I wish we could join her. <laughs> exactly. Um, I wish you guys were here. They have me more too. <laughs> um, and finally, Representative Miranda, most important thing about any of these reports is always what comes next. And I know that there were actually two pending bills um, that would create a license and regulated system of midwives and require that midwives be covered by insurance. Both of those were just sent to study. They were effectively legislatively killed by a legislative committee. What's, what's next? Is there any appetite in the legislature for taking up some of the recommendations of this committee, given that there's only two months uh, left of the session? When, when, if at all, could that happen? You know, I'm really sad to hear that because, um, you know, one thing that I've learned is that you have to elect more women and uh, more women of color and folks that are in other communities that the LGBTQIA community, because where you do not have representation, uh, women still only make 30% of the state house. We're not leading these committees uh, in a way that I think we can if we increase our population and leading the conversation. Now, the Maternal Inequities Commission was one win, but we need multiple wins. Right as I passed this bill, I filed a doula uh, bill around the perinatal workforce and making it affordable with mass health. I also filed a femur bill. Uh, we are one of the states out of the I think uh, 24 left that doesn't have a statewide femur system to actually count our children that we're losing in every city and town across Massachusetts and have some standards of care. And lastly, we need postpartum coverage post 60 days. And, and I'm proud that some of those bills have not been sent to study, but we need to do all these things. This is not a situation that we can pick or cherry pick which intervention uh, we're gonna do now. Speaking as a black woman, saying that black women are dying two times the rate of white women, but Massachusetts is better, does not give me justice. It doesn't give me justice to go talk to the McManus family that lost a loved one. It doesn't give me justice to talk to uh, Commissioner Hall as the, after she's lost her baby and my sister and folks who were really harmed during the birthing journey. So what I'm hoping to do is that there is an appetite. There is an appetite for a birthing justice bill similar to the Momnibus bill that was passed at the federal level. There's still an up, you know, and I think that this is where the report is really important. It, it's not perfect, right? But here's the report saying to you, we listened to hundreds of people across the Commonwealth and the top 10 interventions, which included midwives, are in this report. So although this has been sent to study and shout out to Emily and Bay State uh, coalition, because they did so much work on this, and I'm so sad of this, is that they're saying in this report, and the people who are in those listening sessions, Massachusetts will get it wrong if we don't do this. And so I believe that next session, and at the end of this section, session, we can still go further and push the needle. And that is my hope. And I'm, I, for one, am not giving up 
on black women, indigenous women and women of color, because I know if we work to improve their outcomes in birth, we improve the outcomes for everybody. And that's the most important thing. We can get to zero, we can save mothers, we can save partners and we can save babies in Massachusetts if we focus and center and let black and brown women lead in this space. And you can learn more at commonwealthmagazine.org. State Representative Liz Miranda and Commissioner and Advocate Necca Hall, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast.